みなさんこんばんはご機嫌いかが2355の時間です今日の終わりにちょっと一息勉強中の人も一休み What's up, everyone? Welcome to Radio Overcoat. It's me, Overcoat. And tonight is episode 250. That's right, 250. Holy shit, I've been at it for a while. Uh, I'm very excited to be uh, re recording this one since the original uh, broadcast messed up. Unfortunately, uh, all that talking I did. Will have to be reset, and uh, that's okay because this is all about Hiromi Hosono tonight, and that's what I decided to dedicate episode 250 to because I feel like his music is a perfect example of what you would find on Radio Overcoat. He's done everything, 
He's done movie soundtracks. He's done anime soundtracks. He's done anime movie soundtrack. No, he only did that once. But mostly, he's famous for starting Yellow Magic Orchestra, which is one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, but then, when I got into Yellow Magic Orchestra um, several years ago, I was like, okay, I have everything that YMO has ever done. What do I get next? So I decided to look up all their solo stuff. Because I know uh, YMO broke up in 84. They keep getting back together and going back apart and doing solo stuff, but they're still all good friends, you know. So I feel like, I felt like, you know, I'm going to go get all their solo stuff. Uh, so I have Ryuichi Sakamoto's, most of his discography. I have most of everyone's, really. I have most of Yukihiro Takahashi's, but none has really spoken to me personally like Harry Hasono's music does. It's just, it's at once goofy and also amazing. Um, like, you can tell he, he enjoys making it, you know. Um, yeah, he never, he never seems to take it seriously. Um, it, <laughs> I don't know, it's hard to describe. But, uh, there are some, he does, it's about half and half. There's some serious tunes, and then there's some really silly ones. In fact, this one is one of the most silly things he's ever done, which is a cover of Funikili Funikila. <laughs> and this one is off of, uh, 1982's Phil Harmony. So, yeah, enjoy that. It's it's funny as hell. Uh, after that, I've got some video game remixes from him. Yes, video game remixes from 1982 as well. So, yeah, this whole show is going to be fantastic. So please stick around and listen to basically this man's entire life work. I have everything from 1973 to... Uh, 2017. In fact, um, I have a new album from him called Vuja Day. I'll be playing a couple tracks from that uh, throughout the show. So, yeah, enjoy, everyone. By the way, yes, this is the pizza delivery music from Spider Man. <laughs> No more, 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 no
Alright, just had some Harry Hosono featuring Cornelius there from the Appleseed X Machina soundtrack uh, from 2007. Yeah, he produced that one. Uh, it's even got a Ryuichi Sakamoto track in the soundtrack there somewhere. Uh, that's one of his more weird ones too. It's basically just like four minutes of like distorted white noise and drum beats. I kind of like it. But anyway, we also had Absolute Ego Dance from Yellow Magic Orchestra. That was off of 1979's Solid State Survivor. Uh, also, still a banger after almost uh, 40 years. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> also, Super Zevious. Also a banger. That was uh, from the EP Super Zevious, which also contains... Uh, a Gap Plus remix and a Tower of Juraga remix. Um, that one is kind of interesting. That is uh, Namco approaching Hasono and going, Hey, can you remix our stuff? Uh, I'm not sure if it was Namco approaching him or the other way around, but either way, I think it's a good matchup there. Uh, he did a couple things for Namco and uh, that was probably the the best one, but uh, there were some other albums he did where it was like the first album was called Video Game Music, and it's basically it almost just sounds like him playing the games and they're just recording it. Um, it's the, the BGM from the games plus the sound effects kind of like layered in there. Imagine like the the uh, the Mondo recording of Castlevania One on vinyl. Um, with the interspersed sound effects, and it, I don't know, it's just not my thing. <laughs> also, uh, completely off topic, don't buy Mondo's records, they're, they're bad. They don't source their audio properly, and they do that shit with sound effects, and the Castlevania 1 release has reverb on it, which is a big no-no with chiptunes. But anyway, I digress, we're here to talk about Harry. Uh, also... I should mention before Super Zevious, we had Funiculi Funicula from Phil Harmony from 1982. Uh, that album, Phil Harmony, is probably one of my favorites. It's got ambient stuff, it's got like acid techno on there, and it's all from 1982, and it's this very forward-thinking, like experimental electronic album. Um, but at the same time, He's got songs on there like Funiculi Funicula and um, Living Dining Kitchen, which is like him just, it's a song about him like literally just wondering what he should eat, like ramen or Big Mac. Um, I would play that one as well, but boy do I have a lot of songs for you tonight. I have 32 tracks on this playlist and uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. I gotta, I gotta go through all this in uh, a timely manner, but I also have all this stuff that I want to say about the music. Um, so, anyway, next up, I have one of his new tracks. Uh, so his new album is called Vujade. It came out late 2017, and it's got two discs on it. Disc one is covers and it's all a bunch of old rock and roll and jazz standards and disc two is all his original stuff uh, including there's a there's a uh, 
few old covers of his own songs on disc two, which are really nice. Um, and I'll play that one in this next set as well. And also, I'll put some other uh, covers in there, in here, in the next couple tracks. So we got his cover of, yeah, Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens, um, which, <laughs> there's a Don Brew joke in there somewhere. But anyway, enjoy this one. It's very good. Up a bunyard, greatest care. Down in the hay hall, somebody stood. Who's there? This is what I had. Ain't nobody here but us chicken. Ain't nobody here at all. So come yourself and stop the fuss. Ain't nobody here but us. The chicken's trying to sweep you by stem. Have a harbor, have a harbor with a cheese. Ain't nobody here but us chicken. Ain't nobody here alone. You're stopping a man and shaking the ground You're kicking up the local dust The chicken's trying to sweep you by stand Hava, 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 it's a sin Tomorrow is a day today We got things to do, we got eggs to lay Worms to dig, ground to scratch Spend a little sitting, getting chicks to hatch Ain't nobody here but us chicken Ain't nobody here alone and stop the fuss There's nobody here but us Kind of point that gun The other way Hava, 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 hava Hit the hay Sticky, not a 
Papa, mama, neko, 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 boogie. Neko, neko, niko, 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 boogie. Help me. Onegai. Neko, 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 moko, neko, boogie. Papa, mama, niko, 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 boogie. Minna. Daiski. Fule, fule, soko no kets. Fule, fule. Fule, fule, soko no kits. Fule, fule.
Oh my god. That sax drop, though, gets me every time. That is so good. That was a cover of Caravan. Uh, an old jazz standard there. That was off of Omni Sightseeing from 1989. Before that, we had Neko Boogie, the Vujade version. Let's cover one of his older songs, and that's off of Disc 2 of Vujade. Before that, Rockabye My Baby, an old, old track from Harry Hasono and the Yellow Magic Band. Or is it Happy End? I don't know. Uh, some of these aren't tagged properly, but it is Haromi Hasono, and it's from 1973. Uh, I do, I think. I have some things from 1969, um, that, I, but unfortunately they're really rough recordings and I don't know, they're not really, uh, it was just like a short demo, but it's definitely there. Um, also, if you didn't uh, hear that before, Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens, also from Vujade. So, uh, coming up next, it's this song called Yellow Magic Carnival. Yellow Magic Carnival. I wonder if that name has something to do with anything. But, this is a, uh, Yellow Magic Band song, and it's off of, uh, a compilation I have, actually. It's a four-disc thing, uh, called Strange Songbook. That's very good. Uh, it's four discs. It goes from, uh, let's see, it goes from, like I said, 69 to, to uh, 2000. Oh, Hosono Box. Strange Songbook is another thing. Uh, and I'll get to that later. But this is uh, a thing called Hosono Box. I think if, if, if you're interested in Haruyama Hosono and you want to hear more of his music, I think this is a good primer to start getting into it. Uh, and then, you slowly but surely work your way through his entire discography like I did. Uh, if you're like me, you will probably get obsessed. Just a little bit. <laughs> I might have a lot of things um, from him, but I do still have... Uh, there, there are still a lot of songs on this uh, box set that I don't have the album for yet, so I go to it quite often. Uh, this is one of them. This is off of the first disc from that. It was Harry singing, so anywhere between 1969 to 1978. Uh, and that's, of course, Yellow Magic Carnival coming up right now. So enjoy. It's like it's the start of something magical. <laughs>
Peking duck, my favorite kind of duck. That was from Harry Hasono and the Yellow Magic Band. That's another one from the 70s, ye old 70s. Before that, we had Pecora, a new track from Vujade. I'm liking that one. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that the new album is not just like, it's not just light rock and roll. There's some like electronic stuff going on in there. That one was really cool. Uh, it reminded me of something you'd hear off of uh, the Omni Sightseeing, which will be coming up soon, somewhere. Oh, yeah, coming up later. Uh, before that, we had Chaos Panic from Naughty Boys. That was from Yellow Magic Orchestra. Naughty Boys was an interesting album for YMO. It was kind of, uh, what's the word? It's it's it was more poppy than the uh, than the usual uh, YMO stuff. Like before that, it was BGM, I think, which was more kind of like artsy and ambient. Um, but Naughty Boys was all this really like really catchy pop music. I'm pretty sure that was mostly uh, Yukiro Takahashi's writing, because um, you can kind of tell 
if you listen to Takahashi's solo stuff, you're like, oh yeah, this totally sounds like YMO, like a lot. Um, but you hear that with the other two members as well. Um, like Hasono, you can just kind of tell. Um, you can just kind of tell that it's like, oh yeah, Hasono must have written this. Because it's got that kind of like... It, it's just got that kind of syncopation to it. Uh, and then Sakamoto, of course, had all the really weird tracks that were like... Um, I think he probably did most of Technodelic, where it was like... Um, this really kind of avant-garde minimalist techno... Um, really early stuff, as far as techno is concerned. Uh, but anyway, what else do we have? Yellow Magic Carnival starting the set off. Uh, I think that was... That was written right before... Uh, Yellow Magic Orchestra became a, a thing. Uh, in 1979. Uh, or 1978, I should say. Um, and... I, I don't know, it, it's just weird, because it, it doesn't seem like it would be... Something that would directly influence Yellow Magic Orchestra, uh, as far as a name, it just seems like it's like a, a a list of songs they had already written that they pulled out of a hat, and they're like, oh, what if we try? What if we just call ourselves Yellow Magic Orchestra? I don't know. Something about that Yellow Magic, though. But anyway, I've got some more YMO coming up soon. Uh, this next one. <laughs> and by soon, I mean now. Uh, this next one is a YMO tune, though this is the specifically Haromi Hasono solo version, uh, which is the one they would play during their live shows, where it was like... It, w it was played in halftime. The studio version from uh, Solid State Survivor is like really fast and kind of frenetic, but the uh, live version you'll always hear is uh, half speed. I'll talk more about that at the next break. For now though, let's listen to Cosmic Surfing.
Body Snatchers, another straight banger from Harry Hasono. That was from 1984, if you can even believe that, um, from the SFX album. And that's just straight up house music in the 80s. I, I can't even... I don't know. It, 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 it's just such a forward-thinking avant-garde album. Uh, and Body Snatchers being the big dance hit off of that. Um... God, I just love that song so much. Uh, before that, we had Tokyo Rush featuring um, somebody on Clown Horn. I have no idea who, but they did a very good job. Uh, that was from 1978's Paraiso album. Before that, Yumemiru Yaku Soku from... Another one from the compilation. Um, I've heard that one before, sung by uh, Miharu, Miharu Koshi, who's someone who's collabed with um, Harry a lot. Um, he's produced pretty much all her albums, and uh, they've done performances together, um, like Mr. Echo, which I started the show off with. Um, there's actually a really funny clip. They're performing Mr. Echo on some, like, variety show, and midway through the song, there's the, it's like the gong show. They, they, there's a gong that, that hits, and they're like, oh no, and then there's this cane that comes, and like, <laughs> it takes takes Miharu Koshi off the stage. It's very funny. Um, but then, uh, what else do we have? We had Cosmic Surfin. Uh, that was a YMO track from uh, Solid State Survivor. Was it Solid State Survivor? I don't know. This is one of the special versions I have. Um, that's the slow version, I guess. Uh, so... Speaking of YMO, though, so one of the best things I've ever done was when YMO came to Los Angeles back in 2011, um, I flew down from Seattle because I was so excited, and that was the only date they announced um, at the time where I got the, the ticket. They did one more show in San Francisco and then went home. Um, but I flew down to the LA, and they played at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was fantastic. Um, <laughs> that, it took a whole, the whole day to do the concert, because they had two acts before them, but they all played, like, really long sets. I'm pretty sure each set was over an hour long. Um, and then by the time, it started around, like, 3pm, I think, and by the time, uh, YMO got on stage, it was already sunset. Um... So that was kind of interesting. Uh, Buffalo Daughter opened up that show, uh, and I became an instant fan. I had never heard of them before, um, but Buffalo Daughter is great. And then uh, they had Toa Tay DJing in between the sets, which was he, he's kind of a big deal. He's a very uh, big name DJ in Japan. And then Chibomato came on after that, <laughs> and that Chibomato is crazy. It's. I think that was the first concert they had done in a long time. 
Um, but they have big hits like Sugar Water and Birthday Cake and Know Your Chicken. Um, a lot of songs about food. I think it's all songs about food, but um, their Viva La Woman album is legendary. It's so crazy and unique and something that I think perfectly encapsulates like the crazy alternative culture of 90s Japan, where it was very, like, it was very just weird, abstract, off-the-wall humor, um, a lot of yelling. <laughs> but anyway, so this concert, I flew down from Seattle to LA just for this, uh, just to see YMO, and they put on one of the best concerts I have ever seen in my entire life. Um, I got to see them all playing on stage, Cornelius was there playing guitar for them, and that was fantastic. In fact, uh, I have in my hands uh, a ticket for Cornelius, who's going to be playing at the Showbox uh, in Seattle, and I'm very excited. He's playing March 13th, and I will tell you guys about that, all about that, of course, on the show, uh, whatever show comes after that. Um, but yeah, super excited about Cornelius coming, because he's also got a long history of making music since the uh, at least the 90s, maybe before. Um, but yeah, he collaborates with YMO all the time, uh, collaborates with all of the members uh, separately as well. So, anyway, YMO, <laughs> I went down and I, I planned, I did not plan this trip. I thought I was just going to go shack up in a motel or something, and just, I was just going to like show up, shack it up in a motel, and then fly back, um, but I asked around IRC, like, hey, anyone want to come see YMO with me that's in the LA area? And uh, True Star of all people, um, messages me and she's like, hey, uh, do you have a plan? And I'm like, no. And of course, uh, Chris being Chris, she is like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, you need a plan. And I'll be, I was like, oh, well, I mean, I was just gonna get a motel. And she's like, no. Um, so basically, she hosted me down there. I wasn't, I did end up staying in a cheap motel, but, um, she hosted me around the area. I got to talk with uh, Vert again. I hadn't seen him in a while. I haven't seen him in a while uh, now. The last time I saw him, he was like three times the size he is now. I've seen pictures, and Vert is very small. He is. Uh, he. I could. I could like probably bench him. He's so tiny now. But anyway. Um, but that. Yeah. That was basically when I met True Star. And we became pretty good friends. Uh, we became fast friends after that. I convinced her to go back to radio and do Noise Channel, which, uh, <laughs> well, I don't know if I convinced her, but um, she did want to do Noise Channel. And I, of course, you know, I encouraged her to do so because uh, chiptunes are awesome. And that was a really damn good show. Uh, someday I hope it comes back. But regardless, uh, we had a lot of fun, we saw YMO together, and I met some other friends from way forward, um, and uh, also, I think Noel Sleep was there. But yeah, I met a ton of people at this concert, it was great, uh, and then we went out and we had crepes at like 3 in the morning, it was fantastic. Um, but anyway, 
more about the actual concert. They played Cosmic Surfing. They played uh, Rydeen, Technopolis, all the big hits, including some of the newest, newer stuff from 2007, the uh, Human Audio Sponge stuff, which I completely forgot to put in this damn playlist, but there's so much of, like, just solo Hiromi, Her, bleh, Hiromi Hosono music that, you know, I didn't, I just don't have the space, and I have a lot of talking to do. Um, but anyway, the concert was fantastic, except for one thing, one thing prevented it, I think, from being the best concert I've ever seen, and that was, uh, Yoko Ono showed up. Oh no. Um, and <laughs> she did, as you would expect, her, like, weird moaning crying thing. Um, YMO played this kind of generic, like, jazzy backing track for her to do this, and the audience is just sitting there groaning. It was sad, and like, okay, I get it. Yoko Ono has her, you know, avant-garde emotional music uh, moaning thing going on. I understand the meaning behind it, I just don't really like it. You know, <sighs> I don't want to be like an art hater, but it's just, I don't like it. I, I don't know, but having that, having that kind of, it was like the end of the show too. So they played like their last song and then she comes out and does her thing as like a surprise guest. Um, but she was really there cause it, it was 2011. She was there to talk about the tsunami the, um, that had just happened, the, uh, nu the, the power plant one, god, I can't remember the name of the place, um, god, it was a long time ago, but yeah, it had just happened at that point, and so they were raising money for, um, disaster relief for Japan, uh, she was there to talk about that, and, uh, I know she and also Ryuichi Sakamoto have this, like, anti-nuclear stance, they have to get that message across. Um, whether you agree with it or not, whatever. But she was there to talk about disaster relief and how much money they had raised and how much money they want to raise. Um, and they raised quite a bit. Uh, and uh, then she did hers, her yelling. And then, as if to make up for it, they did a Beatles cover. Um, <laughs> by the way, I'm not, I'm not trashing on... Uh, Yoko because of the widespread belief that she ruined the Beatles. I don't really care about that. The Beatles are just a band. Every band has an end. Um, and I think that was just their time. I don't blame Yoko. Um, they did have that weird number nine thing, but that was like, you know, every band has that. They try to experiment. They kind of try to stay relevant near the end of their lifetimes. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's okay, but, you know, don't blame Yoko for, for their problems. Uh, it wasn't her band, you know? But anyway, they uh, performed a cover of Hello Goodbye. It was very nice. We all kind of linked shoulders and, and, and swayed uh, together and uh, sang along. It was, a, it was a magical moment. I think that was appropriate to end the concert. I'm glad it didn't end just on her moaning thing. But anyway, <laughs> that's the story of uh, my YMO experience. And uh, 
Yeah, that was that was a hell of a day. Uh, ev worth worth the huge sacrifice of like, it, it, it. Given my job and my the wage I make, it's kind of a huge deal to just drop everything and get a plane ticket and go somewhere. But um, it was totally worth it. Uh, if they ever come to America again, if you're not already in the LA area, just go. If you're not in the area they're gonna play, just fly out there. Fly to the closest one, uh, or fly to the furthest one. I don't care. It's they're just amazing. Uh, any of the solo members too. If Ryuichi Sakamoto comes to play the piano, his uh, his piano performance that I saw in Seattle um, a year prior to that was fantastic. Uh, it was a very emotional, transcendent experience, and, uh, I just wish that, uh, Harry did that here. I wish he would come over here and perform, but, uh, I don't know. More people know about Sakamoto. He drew, he drew a pretty gr uh, good crowd for that piano performance. I think every Japanese person in Seattle showed up for this show. I've never seen so many Japanese people in my life without actually just going to Tokyo. But anyway, let's keep the music going. I'm going to start here, this next set, with literally my favorite song from Harry Hosono. Probably one of my favorite songs of all time. It's like the catchiest pop tune ever, Sportsman. Yeah. Call him Batman 
crianças tão legal, a X-Wado And same Sundays I could be apathetic The whole family getting shaped Under the floodlights People tell me I'm not strong I can't seem to find the right charge I'll be a good sport Be a good sport
Dr. Strangelove. That was Strangelove. That was off of the uh, SFX album. Another nice uh, glitchy techno track. Before that, we had a tribute song. And I need to translate that. I can't believe I'm re-recording the show. And of course, I don't have a Google Translate window open. But you know, I'm doing this off the cuff right now, actually. I'm doing it live. Because... I don't know how to do it any other way. So that was uh, Koiwa Momoriro from Akiko Yano and Rei Harakami. Uh, that means love is pink, by the way. Uh, before that, we had something from Naughty Boys that was Lotus Love. We had Strange Love and Lotus Love in the same set. That's uh, totally an accident. Uh, before that, we had the best song in the world, Sportsmen. That was from Phil Harmony from 1982. 
I think I've run out of interesting stories to say. Oh, I could talk about that tribute song, though. That was uh, the Haromi Hisono Strange Songbook, Disc 1. Uh, apparently there's a Volume 2 out there somewhere, and I haven't gotten it yet. And uh, eventually, I will. But I just have the first one for now, which is fine because it's fantastic. Um, there's a lot of people on here. Um, there is, like you just heard, uh, Akiko Yano, who uh, was part of the band for a while, part of YMO for a while. She was she did a lot of their um, auxiliary keyboards on the live performances, as well as having a solo uh, career of a lot of uh, repute uh, in her own right. She did a lot of solo work. Um, and one of my favorite songs of hers is Ramen Tabetai, which is, I want to eat ramen. And uh, that is, as you kids say, um, big mood right now. I just want to eat ramen. But anyway, <laughs> Akiko Yano is fantastic. She has a really lovely voice, actually. I like her voice. Um, and then she does a lot of really poppy and jazzy mixtures of songs. Um, most of them are kind of silly, like uh, Ramen Tabetai, but there's a lot of cheesy love songs in there. It's good stuff. Um, actually, an, an interesting trivia here. Akiko Yano and uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto were married for a while. Uh, they had a daughter, Miyu Sakamoto, who went on to have a pretty successful uh, idol and acting career. Uh, she's got to be, she's got to be like 25, 30 at this point. But anyway, um, they broke up though. They divorced uh, Sakamoto and uh, Yano, but they're probably still friends. I don't know. Just like YMO, they broke up, but they're all still friends. They get back together sometimes. It's okay. Nobody's gonna judge. Well, <laughs> Japanese fans do, but really only in, in the idol scene feel uh, they're maybe a little they're maybe a little obsessed. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, let's continue with the music. That was your interesting trivia for this break. Uh, coming up next, I have something from Yellow Magic Orchestra's original self-titled from 1978. This is Simoon. Thank you. 
Walking through the door To the subterranean shore I follow the peacocks As they sing like
All right, Pliocene there. That was, uh, oh man, the groove in that track is so good. Uh, that's the last track off of Omni Sightseeing. Another one uh, from that amazing album from 1989. I feel like that album, Omni Sightseeing, was kind of like a homage to the old... I don't know how many people uh, remember this genre, but it was bigger in the 50s and 60s. But they had hundreds and thousands of these Exotica albums. Exotica being like big band renditions of stuff you'd expect... Well, back then they said The Orientals, but um, nowadays it'd be, uh, you know, songs from the, uh, around the world, like Africa and Asia, and um, mostly Africa and Asia, because it was like these... For, for people at the time, um, since it was harder to get a perspective of someone from you know, either of those continents, uh, it was much more mysterious and far away sounding, and it was, a, the sound was appealing to people, but in the Exotica context, it was more, they framed it in a, uh, basically an American white perspective, and that was the, what was palatable to people, um, and I, a lot of it ended up on the the, um, the Lawrence Welk show, uh, basically. It was basically, you know, fancy music for white people. Uh, except it was another example of, I think, uh, colonialism through music? I don't know. Is that too political for this show? I don't know, but... Um, maybe, I, maybe I just got done watching Black Panther. I don't know. But uh, uh, I, I do think it was... It, it was like a plundering of musical ideas from other uh, cultures and continents uh, and redone through a white perspective. That's pretty much, like, you can't really argue that. Like, that's what it was. But, you know, it was, it was the 50s and 60s, and that's just how things were back then, um, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, but anyway, uh, I feel like, though, that Harry Hasono, he had a lot of interesting perspectives that came out through his uh, comedy sketches and music. There were tons of comedy sketches. Um, in fact, Sketch Show is the name of the band that uh, is when uh, Yukihiro Takahashi and Harry Hasono come together, they form Sketch Show. And it's this band and they do um, they had a couple album releases in the early 2000s. It was very chill, kind of IDM-like electronic music, um, but they got that from the old days of YMO, there was an album called X Infinity Multiplies, and the official Japanese version, uh, unfortunately the American version cut these out, but there were these sketches in between the tracks, and a lot of it was like Cheech and uh, Chong style kind of radio dr dramas. One of them is a policeman knocking furiously at the door, uh, demanding to be let in, and the guy is just sitting there like, Dore! He's like, what? It's, it, it almost feels like a, 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 a copy of Dave's Not Here from Cheech and Chong, but it's really funny. 
Uh, another one, in fact, there are two like this. Um, there's one where this very obviously they're trying to emulate like an American businessman in Tokyo. It's so funny. Um, and he's like, <laughs> he's trying to sign a paper with this company. Um, oh no, it's the Japanese guy visiting an American guy talking about how very famous his, his company is. And he can only utter the words KDD. And it's like, <laughs> he's trying to say, the other guy's like, uh, I don't understand how are they're, they're trying to impersonate like an American uh, businessman, which is really funny. Um, and they're definitely aware of the uh, very blatant racism that Americans uh, usually see Japanese through uh, a very racist lens of, uh, you know, the, the, the slanty eyes and the mispronounced elves and all that shit. Um, but they're definitely aware of these stereotypes and racist, uh, views from a lot of Americans who, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of them, a lot of us still kind of feel that way towards Japanese. Like, I think we should honestly grow the fuck up as a country, but that's neither here nor there. I'm talking about sketch show, but they even have on this album, a cover of tighten up from Archie Bell and the drills. And they do it in this... They're performing it like an American racist guy would perform um, a Japanese song. It's really funny, actually. Um, so they're totally self-aware of the American racism. Um, in fact, they went to America, they performed on Soul Train, and they performed that cover totally unironically and no one seemed to notice that it was like a complete caricature of, of Japanese people. Um, but then there's another sketch too, where um, the American businessman goes to Japan and he's trying to talk to this guy named Mr. Ohira. And this guy, he, he's like, oh, oh yes, 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 oh yeah. Yeah, he's like nodding and, and agreeing to everything he says. And he's like, do you understand, Mr. Ohira? And he says, uh, no. It, and <laughs> he starts saying the most vile racist shit. But it's not even American. There's no Americans in this sketch. It's all Japanese people. It's just a complete parody of America and how fucking racist we are. It's actually kind of brilliant. And this is from the 80s, you know? And nothing, it, it's, it's, the, the funny part is nothing has changed. Um, it's funny and sad a little bit, but, um, <laughs> you know, mm, I'm going to put, I'm going to put one of the sketches into the next set because it's so funny. Um, uh, let's see here. Coming up next though. I have more chill stuff to play. Um, I have Retort coming up next, which is a track from Omni Sightseeing. This was covered for Vuja Day, and I think it did a very good job uh, updating the sounds. Though, um, it, it's interesting, Retort sounds like... The original, it sounds like a Secret of Mana song, though written ten years prior to it. 
or well, well, 89, so let's see, maybe five years prior to it. But it's weird because it uses the same samples and everything, and kind of the same composition, so it really sounds like uh, a Hiroki Kakuta track, which is really funny to me. Um, I, I have to wonder if Secret Amano was inspired by this really, really obscure song. It's not on YouTube. That's how rare this song is. Um, but I have the cover of it on Vujade, and I, I was surprised to see it on there because it's not a song people think of when they think of Hosono, so... Maybe he just felt like doing it. I don't know, but he just does what he wants. And then after that, I have a cover of Sportsmen, again. This one is from Yukihiro Takahashi, another one from Strange Songbook. Uh, and then I got To the Air coming up after that, and the, uh, oh, I have some anime stuff coming up too. <laughs> Alright, enjoy the tunes, everyone, and uh, I'll, I'll insert that uh, sketch show in there too. Thank you. 
色の空から汚れなブルー日は恐ろしい思いが世界に広がる蝶々が羽ばたき風を起こすやがて朽ち果てる「あなたのために清めておこう」「これがこれがこれが私の切なる願い」
Japan. Japan is number one. They number one. They have <laughs> their television, the cars, they are number one. <laughs> Do you understand, Mr. Ohira? Do you understand? No. <laughs> Japan actually they work so hard. They are number one. I like oh. Japan, the beautiful Mount oh. Fuji, beautiful oh. cherry blossoms, mm. the number one beautiful country. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand, Mr. Ohira? Do you understand? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Japanese people are crazy. <laughs> Japanese is like pigs. <laughs> Japanese is like 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 monkey, short leg, you know, and yellow monkey. Do you understand, Mr. Hira? You understand? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, I like Japan. Japanese are crazy. <laughs> Japanese are pigs. Pigs, you know, <laughs> monkeys. Yeah, they have small cocks, you know, short legs. Yellow monkeys. Do you understand, Mr. Ohira? Uh, no, no. no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I cannot speak English. A little, little. <laughs> uh, nice to see you. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll oh, see you. I'll okay. see you. Thank you very much. Bye. You.
Ah, oh, man. Heliotherapy. Now that you've gone through the heliotherapy, how are your helios? Do you feel better now? That was from 1995's NDE album. Um, heliotherapy was the name of that one. Before that, we had Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, a cover by Ryuichi Sakamoto and Takako Minakawa on vocals. That was another one from Strange Songbook. Uh, that one was interesting. I had no idea, actually, that uh, Hasono did any of the music for uh, Nausicaa. However, uh, I, I learned this, like, this year. Um, or last year, actually, because it's 20, 2018 now. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm still not used to the year change. I'm getting too old, I guess. But anyway, yeah. So, like, last year I learned that, oh, Joe Hisaishi didn't write the entire soundtrack. Um, so that was kind of interesting to learn. Um, but yeah, so he did the theme song for that, just called Nausicaa. Um, and it's very good. And I kind of want to see the movie again after hearing that. But anyway, we also had To the Air from Harry Hisono before that. And... We had the incredibly racist Snake Man show <laughs> from X Infinity Multiplies uh, from Yellow Magic Orchestra. I told you guys it was it was fucking racist, but yeah, I guess that I guess that would be a content warning. Um, <laughs> but it's it's made funnier by the fact that it's it's all Japanese people in are in on the joke, um, which I don't know. To me, that's funny. <laughs> But anyway, we had uh, Sportsman before that, a cover from Yukihiro Takahashi. And we had Retort from Vujade. That was a good set, actually. But now, what that means is we're at the end of the show. Um, I have one more track to play, but I have a lot of stuff I want to say. Well, I think. Like I said, uh, this whole show's been kind of off the cuff. It's a re-recording. Um... But I think maybe maybe it might have been better the second time around. Um, who knows? But I am kind of sad that um, the first recording got corrupted uh, because then I had to do this all over again. But you know what? Hasono's music is so good that I would gladly listen to this another time. This whole playlist, I'll I'd pl I would play it again if I had to. His music is so good and. Honestly, um, having listened to it as much as I have, um, it's kind of rubbed off on me, like, stylistically, too, in my own music. Um, I feel like my stuff has gotten a little bit more melodic in that kind of way. Um, but his music just, for some reason, it just speaks to me in a way that not a lot of other stuff does. Um, and I, I find myself kind of wishing that I was in his position, uh, as a musician, at least when I turn 70, what, he's currently 70 years old, he's getting kind of old there, but, you know, when I turn 70, I hope to have at least a fraction of the kind of legacy he's, he's, uh, going to leave whenever, you know, whenever it's his time. Hopefully that's not for quite a long time, though, you know, but, um... I'm glad that 
he's still releasing solo stuff, even in 2017. Hopefully, uh, mm, there is some more stuff he's doing. Um, he's got a bunch of other projects. He's produced dozens of, of groups um, through the last 30 years. Uh, I have a lot of... I have a growing 80s uh, era idol collection. He's produced a lot of people uh, like Sandy. I played some Sandy music on my show. Um, and a couple other idol groups that kind of... The name escapes me at the moment, but... Uh, he's been a busy producer, you know? He's, he's done a lot of things in the Japanese music scene. Uh, starting out when he was uh, even uh, my age, you know, or younger, he saw the Japanese music scene and it was all people doing like Beatles covers. Kind of boring, you know? They're all singing in English. And he said, I want to make Japanese music in this style. So he did that, and so stuff like the Yellow Magic Band happened, where it was American-styled music, but it was Japanese, it had a Japanese flavor to it. And I think uh, the, the effects of that are still being felt in the modern Japanese music industry, um, where they're, they're, they found like the Japanese style, and they keep it, they keep their music Japanese, no matter if it's um, the lowest, smallest indie act to the, the biggest pop groups like AKB48. Um, and I, th I think his position in the industry is kind of understated, but I think, I think he might want to keep it that way. I don't know. Maybe he likes being an underdog, but uh, he did... I mean, he formed YMO with... Sakamoto and Takahashi, and that, just that, by itself, changed the Japanese musical landscape forever. I think, and, and the more I think about all the stuff he's done, the more I realize just how important this guy is. Um, you know, and he, looking at him, you don't, you don't see someone who is, like, a, a music overlord of the, of the whole industry. You just see this guy kind of either, he's either behind a piano or behind a bass guitar, sometimes he's singing, but, you know, he seems very humble, you know, he doesn't like, he, I don't think he likes talking very much, I don't think he has a Twitter, uh, Sakamoto and Takahashi, they tweet all the time, their stuff is actually kind of entertaining, uh, following them actually, but, uh, I never, I don't think Hosono has a Twitter, uh, if, <laughs> if, if he does have an, even a, an, a, an, even an official one, um, someone pointed, pointed in my direction, but I've never seen, uh, either of them interact with him on Twitter, so I, don't, I, have, I have no idea. Um, even Keiichi Suzuki is on Twitter, if you can believe that, uh, the Earthbound guy. But anyway, um, that was my little speech about Hasono and his importance. I just, I, I feel like, I don't know. He, that's he's just an important, an important person in the Japanese music industry. That um, a lot of that's been getting a lot more attention lately. Um, there's even articles out there about how much, uh, how many records are being imported from Japan because 
the Japanese still have all these old records from the 70s and 80s, and no one's listening to them over there. So they sell them on Yahoo Auctions or Discogs or eBay and uh, to a lot of American buyers, and people like me are snatching them up uh, hand over fist. Something like something to the tune of like hundreds of thousands of records have been sold in the past couple years um, to American people or, or anyone in the West who uh, who's suddenly taken an interest in all this Japanese music from the 70s and 80s, mostly the 80s. Um, though, for me, <laughs> I've already kind of beaten that trend, and I have a very sizable collection of Japanese 80s music, so I'm kind of like, I wonder what the stuff sounds like from the 70s, and Hosono kind of got me off that, on that kick, um, like, I, I discovered Taeko Onuki through just looking at related artists, um, for example, you know, or, um, ah, shit, I need to expand that collection a little bit more, you know, but, um, you know, because he was doing stuff in the 70s, even, that was, uh, changing the industry, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, like, just, he, he just, he's just done so much, his body of work is, is gigantic, um, and, and not even, his effects aren't even in the, just the stuff he composed himself, it's the stuff he produced as well, um, but anyway, I think that's about all I have to say for this show, this show, number 250, um, this show, Radio Overcode, I've been doing for almost seven years now, and it's become a big part of my life, and uh, only recently, since, uh, I guess since Patreon was invented, um, I, f I figured, oh, hey, I can make music from this, so I have that patreon.com slash overcoat spiel that I do every week, um, well, I just, I just, you know, told you the URL, so if you like the show, uh, if you liked all the info I dumped on you this, this week, and there, boy, there was a lot of it, um, then, you know, if you want to hear more of that, please, uh, let me know, actually. Uh, I don't know if I want financial support on Patreon more than, uh, just feedback, I guess. I just want, I want people to tell me if I'm doing a good job. Because one of my goals for this show, I don't really care about the money. I, I did this show before without even caring about it. I just want to do it for free if I can. Um, though having the having the extra money from the Patreon does help because I use that money to get albums off uh, Bandcamp and stuff. But um, yeah, like my goal for this show is for someone to go oh, this song is really cool, I'm gonna look this artist up and get them to go down their own rabbit hole like I did uh, myself with whatever artist I've been playing, because that's my goal, is I want people to appreciate music and discover it on their own. Um, for as much of the stuff that I link and uh, play on this show, I want to send people off on a journey, basically. Uh, making it sound a little bit more romantic than it really is. Mostly it's just like, I'm gonna go download this megatorrent of this artist, blah 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 blah. But, um, you know, don't forget to support them financially too, if you can. Uh, I mean, if you're buying used records, it doesn't really matter that much, to my, in my opinion, but... Um, 
you know, just <laughs> just go appreciate the music. Usually appreciation means buy their albums. Uh, in the case of Hiromi Hasono, uh, you can actually get some of his stuff off Google Play. Uh, you can get some of it off of uh, probably iTunes as well. Uh, I think uh, Vujidea is on iTunes, probably. Though it might just be on the Japanese iTunes store, but if you're a weeb, you should probably have a Japanese iTunes account. I don't know, that's just my suggestion. Man, this, this BGM is so relaxing, though. Um, <laughs> this department store named Muji in Japan that commissioned him to make BGM for their store. That was That's the stuff you've been hearing me talk over this whole show. I forgot to mention them on the uh, on this recording. Uh, but, yeah, Muji is like the Apple store of department stores. It's kind of like this utopian, perfect paradise of housewares. <laughs> but, um, anyway, I'm going to end the show. This was episode 250, and here's to 250 more. Let's hope for that. Uh, who knows how long that'll take. The first 250 took me seven years, so hopefully it's not seven for uh, the next 250. Because um, I did take a couple hiatuses. Hiatai? Hiatuses? But, uh, you know, whether it's just one person listening or several thousand, thank you for listening to my show. And I hope... Uh, throughout these seven years, it's been as much of an impact on your life as it has been mine. Um, and with that, I will bid you adieu. And, uh, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. And, uh, good night. Oh yeah, of course. I forgot to, to, I forgot to talk about the last song. Paraiso, from this album of the same name, from 1978. This one is a good sh uh, show closer, I think, so enjoy. Good night, everyone.
昔からあの異国の船に